Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my new podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, and Witness. Today I want to talk with you about the question of who is in the place of the Father, specifically carrying on from our conversation last week about the relationship between being a disciple of Jesus and being a child of God. Nicodemus, who's a ruler of the Jews, comes to Jesus by night in this famous scripture in John chapter 3. And he asks Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He states that to Jesus because he, as a spokesperson for the Pharisees, is letting him in on his and maybe their sense that, wow, Jesus, he's exercising unprecedented authority. And um, the signs that he's doing point to the the fact that he's coming from God. And so, you know, how is it that Jesus is able to do this? Um, I mean, I assume that that's the underlying question. And Jesus, um, he says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, so right away, Jesus gives Nicodemus an answer that is uh, kind of cryptic, isn't it? Um, unless one is born again, or uh, literally born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you're not going to see action of the kingdom of God coming into the world um, unless you're born again. And um, it looks like the birth that we have in this world as human beings is, um, is not enough at all. It's not enough just to be born as a human being. Uh, we need a second birth in order for us to be able to see the action of the kingdom. And Nicodemus um, doesn't completely understand, does he? He says, how can a, a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And um, I love Nicodemus's uh, childlike, you know, like how he takes Jesus at his word and, and he's sort of literal. And, and yet that's part of Nicodemus's problem, isn't it? He's, he's devoted to the Torah, to the, you know, to the law of Moses. And, and in many ways, it, it seems that Nicodemus has the Torah and Moses in the place of the Father. And he's wanting to do everything that the Torah says in a rote sort of way. And this is something that we can do as disciples of Jesus. If we are um, trying to follow all of the the words of Jesus, we're, we're following a red letter version where we look at his words and we try to practice them as they were written, which I think is important in a way. It's, um, you know, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's an important question to ask. And one of the ways that we do grow as disciples is to learn about the teachings of Jesus. And Matthew says, you know, um, teach them to practice everything that I've commanded you. So knowing what the commandments of Jesus are is important. However, we can we can have sort of the the gospels, I guess, in the place of the Father. Uh, the red letter uh, version of the gospel, Jesus's words, can be in the place of the Father, and we can be attempting to to follow Jesus in a way that is just based on um, our knowledge and our you know and our attempt to be complete complete in terms of following all of his words and not see any authority and, and be like Nicodemus where we're frustrated. We look at Jesus and we and we, we just wonder, well, 
what's up with me versus Jesus? Like Jesus does all these signs and me, I'm following all these rules and these spiritual practices, but I'm not seeing the signs and wonders. I'm not seeing healing and freedom from uh, spiritual powers. And I'm not even seeing change in my own life. I don't know about you, but you know, for years and even today, I, I just wonder, well, why is it so hard for me to change? You know, I've got these habits, I've got these ways of operating, these character character flaws, um, as well as good qualities. And um, But the character flaws seem to be so just pernicious and persistent. And wow, is it ever hard. And I can relate so much to Paul's writings in, in Romans 7, where he says, the good that I want to do, um, I can't do. You know, the evil that I don't want to do is what I do. You know, who will save me from this body of death? And... Um, and so, you know, we, we look and we realize the law can't do it. And yet we still fall into this mindset where, okay, well, if I take the words of Jesus seriously, that's going to do it. But it doesn't. I'm still stuck. And, um, and so Jesus is talking about a deeper need to be born again. And he repeats to Nicodemus um, without putting him down in any way about his, regarding his literalism. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, um, Jesus' way of being really emphatic, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. So now, um, instead of it just being born again, um, water and the Spirit, which suggests baptism and uh, Spirit empowerment. And then Jesus goes on, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Um, do not be born. Do not be amazed that I've said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And um, and so you know Jesus really is talking about a, a freedom that um, that is available to us and um, and to Nicodemus from just um, an enslavement to the the words of. Of scripture, the words of the law. Um, you know, he's talking about a relationship with um, with God, where we are born from above, and um, and how does that happen? And we looked uh, a few weeks back about um, you know in one of the other podcasts at John chapter one, and we saw how um, you know Jesus is described as the Word that uh, was with God from the beginning and was God and um, is identified with the life and the light of people and um, a light that shines in the darkness. And, you know, we looked at, at how um, when the light came into the world, the world, even though the world was made through, through this word, the world did not recognize him or didn't know him. And, um, and he came to his own and those were his, who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, so it is possible. We don't have to be like the world. We don't have to be like Jesus's own people, um, not recognizing, not knowing, and not receiving. Um, as many as received him, to them, um, which can include us, you and me, he gave. And um, this is this beautiful uh, notion of gift, right? That our salvation is by gift. He gave authority, exousia, which I prefer to right or privilege. He gave the authority to become children of God. 
even to those who believe in his name. So um, receiving Jesus is the, the key. And Nicodemus is on track. You know, he's coming to Jesus. The way that we become a son or a daughter of the Father is through opening ourselves up to the Son and receiving him. And, um, and then we are um, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men and women. So it's not just about being born um, as an American, as a French person, as a Brit. You know, it's not about our national identity. It's, uh, it is not, not, not about that. Okay, it is really, um, this new birth is about being born of God. And it's that identity that has to go above and beyond and completely um, trump any other identity. And one of the biggest issues that I see today is, um, you know, Christians um, really claiming to be disciples of Jesus and yet um, not even really succeeding at following his teachings because there's this core identity issue that hasn't been resolved. Uh, because in the place of the Father, what we have is um, maybe the nation. You know, um, we have this global pandemic of nationalism, which is, um, and Christian nationalism. And the pandemic of Christian nationalism is, um, has gone on a lot longer and is much more dangerous than, than any COVID pandemic. And this pandemic comes from uh, Christians who have not truly experienced this, this new birth where they've died uh, to their flesh under the waters of baptism. And we've uh, emerged out of those waters and allowed the Spirit to really come upon us and the voice of the Father to speak over us and say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. That is your core identity. We haven't allowed ourselves to be um, in, that, in that place of neither Jew nor Greek nor male or female, neither illegal or legal or documented or undocumented or white or black or brown or or yellow uh, all of these identity markers um, end up being elevated because our culture is all about you constructing your identity um, and um, rather than receiving your identity as a gift as um, and receiving an authority that comes from this new birth that is yours that is ours and so really um, whatever's in the place of the Father is going to be the shot caller. And uh, Bob Dylan, in one of his songs, he says, you know, um, you have to serve somebody. And, um, and it's really true. There's nobody, um, even any uh, one who claims to be an atheist, there's nobody that doesn't have someone in that place of, of the Father, in that, in that God space. And maybe it's the Declaration of Human Rights, or maybe it's uh, an ideology of inclusivity or liberalism, or, or a belief in democracy, or um, white supremacy, or capitalism. You know, the place of, of the Father can be occupied by money, you know, mammon, or by flag, by uh, constitution. You know, many people who are Christian nationalists believe that the United States was founded by, um, you know, by believers who were fleeing persecution, which is partially true. And, um, although most of them were also Freemasons. And anyway, there's this, ascent, there's this belief that that constitution is 
is just uh, is, is super way high um, and elevated um, almost above anything else. Uh, the flag, the constitution, the blood of of the of the first uh, founding people who fought against the British and who shed blood for the establishment of the United States of, of America. It's uh, it's that identity according to the flesh that hasn't died and really and really come under the waters of baptism that allows for this uh, nationalism to continue and to actually thrive. And um, but that can happen with, um, you know, with any ideology. Um, it's interesting that the 12 steps in the 12 step movement, you know, there's a, you know, the very first of all the 12 steps is, um, is this recognition of the need to, uh, like, I'll just read them. The, the first step is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol or, you know, cocaine, if it's cocaine anonymous, and that our lives had become unmanageable. And uh, really, that is an essential thing to be able to come to that point where we admit um, that we're powerless, maybe over our own passions, our own character flaws, um, you know, our addictions. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay, just recognize that we need um, a power greater than ourselves. Well, some people might say that science is that power or, um, you know, or just their particular denomination or, or their religion or their, um, their, their, their knowledge of God, their notion of what, who God is, they think God is, or their nation, their race. Um, and that's a problem for um, followers of Jesus because really a core affirmation of, um, of being a follower of Jesus is that, is that Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So number three of the 12 steps, make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. That's not completely um, workable because as we understand God, you know, um, while that does make room for lots of understandings of God and, and does allow for AA to, you know, be a multi-phase movement and you know, it um, it doesn't resolve the real issue that Nicodemus is wanting resolved. Is that how is it that we know that you are from God because no one could do the signs that you do unless you're from God? And um, and if we want to step into our authority as followers of Jesus and and be doing the works that Jesus did, which Jesus told his disciples that we could do, then we need to have the same Father. That Jesus had in the place of um, of the Father for us, and and you know Jesus models this everywhere in the Gospels, this uh, notion of being a son, and um, and I think it's one of the core teachings that he has that we need to really learn about. We need to recover. John five nineteen to twenty. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. So, you know, really this um, could be read um, this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son, um, that is you or me, can do nothing of himself or ourselves 
unless it is something that we see the Father doing. You know, you can't do anything of yourself in your own identity according to the flesh. You know, um, you can't even do anything um, if it's just based on a teaching that you're embracing, you know, from um, the teachings of Jesus. It's, it's, it, there's a relational dynamic that is necessary that Jesus modeled that we need um, in addition to our understanding, I mean, our devotion to the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. We need that relational dynamic where we have a relationship as a son or a daughter with the Father. For whatever the Father does, these things, um, you or I, you know, we as daughters and sons, also we do in like manner. At least that's that's the invitation because Jesus is describing what he does and he's the prototype um, son, isn't he? He's the prototype child of God. For the father loves the son and the daughter. The father loves you and shows you and me all things that he himself is doing. And the father will show you and me greater works than these so that uh, other people who are witnessing this will marvel like Nicodemus did. He marveled at what Jesus was doing. And um, and Jesus goes on in verse 36 of John, John 5, For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me, and you and me as well. It's like the fruit, the, the, the works that we do demonstrate that we are acting from a place of a certain authority that uh, shows that we're a daughter or a son. And they testify that the Father has sent us. Jesus goes on and, um, you know, he, he just, he says this about speaking as well in John 12, 49 to 50. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and to what to speak. So we need that relationship with the Father that Jesus has as a basis for our um, being a disciple of Jesus. You know, Jesus is, is suggesting and, and teaching us here that we mustn't just speak on our own initiative. You know, it's not just about us being empowered uh, to have a voice. It's about us, um, you know, um, being in relationship with the Father uh, who gives us a commandment as to what to say and what to speak in a, different, in a given situation. And that is the true um, notion of, of prophecy that is what biblical prophecy is all about. Thus says the Lord, and then we speak what God has actually, actually said to us. Um, Jesus goes on in verse 50 of John 12. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. So the way that um, we can step into this uh, eternal life now and um, is is to get into that flow of speaking uh, the words that the Father gives us. And um, and how do we, how do we do that? Um, it, it is really centered on Jesus. And we have that stated really clearly in John 14, 6 and 7. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So if um, we have um, this God, um, this generic God who's in the place of the Father and, and we're um, trying to 
get get free from an addiction and we're following the 12 steps and we're we're going with step number two we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity and then step number three we make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of god as we understand him here um to be a follower of jesus to call ourselves a christ follower christian means to recognize that jesus actually is the highest power he's the one who reveals the father i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me if you had known me you would have known my father also from now on you know him and you've seen him and um and then jesus goes on in verse 11 to 13 believe me that i am in the father and the father is in me otherwise believe because of the works themselves now, is this something that Jesus um, would have us say as people that are um, jumped into this family through uh, believing in his name and through being born from above, being born again? Um, I believe it is. I believe that um, we should be able to say, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Uh, because Jesus goes on to say in John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he or she will do also. And greater works than these he or she will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Um, and I believe in the Son includes, um, you know, in, um, in us as we are in Christ, as we are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. It's, the, you know, it's God is glorified through the works that are done um, through us as we um, live out of this uh, spiritual communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And there he's talking about the Holy Spirit who we, you know, who we need, um, who will be with us all the time. And, and Jesus says, it's, it's, it's important that I go away. Otherwise, I can't send that helper, that comforter, that defender, the spirit of truth who will bring to memory the teachings uh, of Jesus. Jesus goes on and um he says, um, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. See, it's that, it's that communion of us in Jesus, in the Father. Um, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love that one and will disclose myself to him or her. So it's that... Um, communion with Jesus and listening to Jesus's commandments, which I think are, um, are both in his teachings in the gospels, but also revealed to us through, um, through, as we pray and as we are listening and, um, and are in that place of communion as the Holy Spirit is, uh, communicating uh, to us and making the words of God come alive to us. Um, God will disclose God's self to each one of us. And it's that relationship of uh, father-son, father-daughter, that, that communion of being part of the family of God that grounds uh, you know, true discipleship.
John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him or her. So there we go. See, um, Jesus is saying that keeping the word, we do it out of love. And, um, and that opens the way for God's love and God's actual presence to come and to abide and to remain, you know, with us. And, um, and there it is, uh, verse 26, but the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, um, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So, see, bringing to remembrance, that um, that's really more than just, um, you know, acting out of our brain uh, through having known um, and being a student of all of Jesus's teachings. Though, um, you know, it is important to be a student of those teachings because um, it's out of that, um, you know, out of that uh, treasure house that we can store up in our own hearts and minds through um, through the study of Scripture, through even the memorization of Scripture, through um, through being in the Word. Um, that, of course, makes it easier for the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said to us, right? And yet there's something about just remembering that um, suggests that that's a kind of hearing as a thought comes into our head, as an idea, as... Um, something that the Spirit brings to mind, comes to us in our day-to-day. Um, so I, I just, um, I'm excited about this because I really feel like um, God um, is calling us right now to a, a way of being a disciple that is, um, that is deeply rooted in a relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that um, where our identity is super clarified you know, we, um, we are not, um, you know, um, identified in a way that is limited to our human DNA, you know, our, our, our identities according to the flesh. You know, those um, we have, of course, we can't escape them. We are who we are according to the flesh. And yet, um, spiritually, um, through our worship and our allegiance, to Jesus, um, who leads us to the Father, and um, spiritually through our turning away from idolatry uh, on a regular basis, whenever the Spirit shows us and the Word shows us that we're um, that we're putting something in a in the high, in too high of a place, you know. Um, Deuteronomy states, you know, um, the commandment that um, the Lord, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And these words shall be um, above your door and over your forehead and all this. Which words? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That devotion to God, that worship of um, the Father through, um, you know, through our following and our adoration of Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what brings us into this place where um, Jesus in John 15, 15 to 16 says, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. 
For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So there you have it. You know, um, Jesus chooses us and appoints us to go and bear fruit as his friends, and Jesus reveals to us all things that he's heard from his Father, and he makes known those things to us, and so we have a relationship with the Father through Jesus, and um, and we can ask him. We can ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and everything that we ask he'll give to us. Isn't that amazing? I just think um, it is just such a beautiful um, relationship that we are invited into, that Jesus models for us, and Jesus um, brings us into through the Holy Spirit. And um, I just want to close by looking at Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. And if a son and daughter, then an heir through God. And so let's um, really seek to understand this more fully and, um, and also to... Um, Let's be aware that there's a battleground around our identity that is raging. And um, we desperately need to, um, you know, to recognize that um, we are going to be attacked on this level as Jesus was. You know, um, the tempter came to him and in the desert, in the wilderness and said, you know, if you are the son of God, then turn this stone into bread. See, the, the ruler of this world... Um, is the one who wants to uh, take over that place of the father and become the father and become the shot caller. And, um, and that is where temptation is, uh, is focused against Jesus and, and against us as well. And so the, the danger of, of anything else encroaching into that, into that place and, um, and then becoming an idol is, is very real, which is why Paul writes um, in his epistles, flee idolatry. You know, idolatry is uh, predatory, and the rule of this world is wanting to pull us out of that sacred place of being um, beloved and by grace, being chosen by, by God and being in that relationship of, with, uh, with the Father through the Son, Jesus, and um, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. God, help us. I ask for um, you to um, to really bring us uh, fresh into that um, new birth of uh, where we can experience the Spirit blowing where it will, and uh, that we would be surrendered over to you, uh, Jesus, and uh, brought into relationship with the Father and Holy Spirit. We we ask that you, uh, Spirit of Truth, would come and you would reveal to us the ways that we have put other things in the place of the Father. And uh, we turn away from those things. Um, show us, Lord, each one, each one of those idols that um, need to be put under the feet of Jesus and help us, Lord, to, um, to be really about um, worship um, in spirit and in truth. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.